Hello to everybody who doesn't know the correct pronunciation of pastries. It's beautiful and honest. One hour, one phone call. No names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you and you'll get to know me. Hi everybody, Chris Gethard here. Welcome to a new episode of Beautiful Anonymous. First things first, apologies to the people of North Carolina. For months I've been plugging that our first Beautiful Anonymous show is back would be in Durham and Asheville and I was so bummed. I did some stand-up shows in Florida first weekend back on the tour and then right after that not even me. I was the one out on tour. You'd think I would have been the one who caught COVID. Somebody else in my uh, household did. So I had to stay home because you can't be out there spreading things around and when you have a toddler and also COVID in the house that means you have to put in you know quadruple the work as of, as usual, as a parent, um, to uh, make sure that your house doesn't descend into a Lord of the Flies-like garbage pit where a toddler is in control. Anyway, those shows will be rescheduled soon. Got shows coming up this week in Pittsburgh, Ann Arbor, and Grand Rapids. I'm really hoping they happen. Keep your eye on my social media. And I'm hoping everybody's happy and healthy and safe and that we're in the clear to get out there and have some fun and do some shows. Anyway. Um, We've had some real great episodes recently. I have seen in the Facebook group and on Twitter, people going, Chris, the show's on a hot streak lately. And I am inclined to agree. The callers have been stepping up. They have been great. Um, I've always felt, I feel like the hot, if I'm going to be honest, I don't, you guys know me. I'm not a cocky guy. I think the hot streak for this show is 2016 to present day, man. I think from the very beginning, we've been on a hot streak, but I I know what people mean. I've been very happy with the uh, episodes recently. This one continues that last week's episode, of course, was the caller in a mixed orientation marriage, explaining what it was like to find out uh, about her husband's attraction to men and how they were finding a way to navigate that and and stay within their marriage. It was uh, gripping and something that I feel like probably happens more than we know, but people don't talk about. So thanks to the caller for opening up. This one is a little lighter than that. Caller's from Portugal. And we spend a lot of time talking about Portugal and what to expect from the people of Portugal when you visit and, and, and um, things to be proud about in regards to being Portuguese. Then, because this is beautiful anonymous, we also have a, a just stunning stretch about his father realizing you know, one of the things I've come to really understand of myself, you learn things about your children, in this case, his son, and it starts to make him go, oh, there might be some things I need to figure out about myself because I, I see myself in that. It's really interesting. It's a really interesting look towards the end about sons and fathers and him looking at himself as a father and the son. And uh, really interesting stuff. I think you're going to like it. Enjoy. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hello? Hi. Hi. How's it going? Oh, wow. I made it through. I'm, I'm, it's going great now that I'm talking to you. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm in, uh, I'm in Los Angeles, California. I got called out here short notice to do an acting gig. And that's always nice. 
counts towards the health insurance. So that's good. But I did want to let you know, I'm not in a studio. I'm just in my friend Will Hines's living room. So you might hear some traffic noises okay. or things like that. So I'm feeling good. I miss my, mostly I just miss my family. I just miss my kid, really. That's how I'm doing. Yeah, great, great. And you might hear my friend Will. My friend Will is laughing in the other room. It's something, something else. <laughs> anyway, anyway, how are you? How are you? Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine now. That's uh, yeah. So I had a little bit of a struggle with my health in the last few weeks. I had some back pain, but now I'm getting better. So yeah, it's good news. That stinks. Back pain stinks, but I'm glad it's. Uh, I'm glad you're feeling better. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I, I just came home from work, so I'm I'm calling with a, a different uh, time zone from yours. So I'm I'm in Europe. I'm You're... in the time zone same as the UK. Oh, that's cool. Uh, I'm calling from Portugal. Yeah, I'm I'm calling from Portugal. I think I can disclose this location. All right. Portugal is ten million people, so yeah. <laughs> so it's a, it's a medium country, let's say. So you're in Portugal, um, I'm in Los Angeles. Europe. We're like opposite sides of the world almost now. Almost, yeah. As many, yeah, time, correct. As many time zones, yeah. Wow. How's Portugal doing? So there is still be still in the morning, correct? Morning time? It's uh it's or twelve. Yeah, coming up on twelve. Coming up on twelve. Coming up on okay. noon. Yeah. yeah. So um yeah, so I I'm I'm calling from uh, from Portugal and uh I love your your show. I found it like two or three years ago. It, it makes me company when I'm commuting to work, driving by car, and uh, and yeah, it's uh, it's uh, good help for me. I laugh a lot, and I sometimes I get emotional hearing of the some of the stories, but uh, most of them are really funny, and you and you have a, a great way of of uh, talking to people and. And 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 they, so they open up and and share the feelings and the stories. It, it's great to to hear your your show. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Glad to help. Yeah. So I, maybe I can talk a little bit about myself. So I'm let's say mid forties, uh, old. Uh, have one son. I'm married. Uh, and yes, so I work uh, a little bit far from home every day, driving by car, and it takes. So I I use this time to listen to some podcasts, and um, and yes, so I work in an international environment. So mainly I speak English all the time, writing or or calling people from from other countries, which is which is good. Uh, it's uh, in interesting to work in a in a multinational uh, company, and um, and yes, yeah, so uh, I I think uh, when I talked to, to your producer Nita, she told me that, that you never had a call from Portugal. So I think it's it's great if you have some questions to ask me. Please go ahead. I do now. My first question is: I feel like in the past handful of years, I've noticed that Portugal's become like a real vacation destination for hip people. Have you picked up on this? I feel like everybody I know who's like a Brooklyn person, all the hipsters, they all started going to Portugal at a certain point. Became like a cool spot. <laughs> Have you noticed this? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there, there has been a, a huge spike in 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 in, in, um, in visits from abroad, abroad. So, uh, especially from Europe. So we have these low cost companies um, flying um, um, from uh, from especially from uh, North Europe, uh, from England, Holland, the, the Netherlands. Now they don't want to be called the Netherlands. Germany also. And yes, yeah, so we have a, a big, some differences between north and south. So north is a little bit colder. The water temperature in, in the summer is not great. But in the south, um, yeah, lots of tourists there um, enjoying the warm water in the, in the sea and also yeah, the sightseeing and, and so forth. So. It's uh, it's becoming more and more international. So we are members of European Union since '86, and um, and yes, so there was a lot of investment uh, in the tourism in the tourism industry, like uh, building hotels and and having all these services to tourists. Now, of course, we were we were hit by the COVID situation. That was a little struggle for many families that depending on this uh, tourist uh, business. But uh, now we are recovering, and um, <clears throat> and yeah, so we are a friendly, a friendly country. Let's say because we are on the on the top three or five of the most safe safe places to live. You can go walk around during the at, at night. In the middle of the town or outside of the town, no one bothers you. So we are rel- relatively safe place comparing with other countries, and I think tourists like that. And um, and yeah, we are also in the top um, um, ten of people that speak a, a good level that have a good level of English. So you can go anywhere and you ask help to someone in the. In the road, in the in the streets, or in the squares, central squares, and everyone will help you. Um, we are the, this kind of uh, of people. Now, I think I'm going to be doing the uh, Edinburgh Fringe Festival in Scotland again this summer, and my wife and son are going to come meet me for a bunch of it. And then my wife said, "What if we come and then after the festival we go to Portugal?" So this feels meant to be this conversation oh. right now. My wife wants us to go there later this year. You oh. think you think we should do it? Yes, you should definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, in which month it, it, is it? It would probably be September. September. Yeah, yeah. We are there. Is still yeah, nice weather. Um, yeah, to to enjoy the summertime. I don't know if you want to have sightseeing um, in the cities for in the, in our capital Lisbon, or in the north or Porto. Uh, it's it's uh, there are um, yeah it's historical places with lots of monuments and so forth. If you are more uh, for the tourist sightseeing, I will recommend in the south, the Algarve region. So it's in the southern coast of Portugal, warm waters and and um, and yes, yeah, so there is a lot of um, things to to choose if you which kind of vacation you you would like. If it's more cultural and architectural uh, sightseeing, or if you should, if you want to have enjoy the warm weather, 
Yeah, you are already in California, so you don't you don't need the warm weather. Yeah, I'm getting enough of You're that. You're already now. enjoying it. And now, how do the Portuguese feel about pale men with low self confidence? Hmm. Low self confidence. Yeah, like me. Um. Hmm. Uh, we we don't <laughs> we don't make any those kind of uh, differences choices between between people. We okay. We if we ha if we see someone lost like kind of lost in the in the city, mm -hmm. we will approach them and say, "Oh, do you need some help? You you seem lost." And um, yeah, we are used to have many British. The British love Portugal, so. Um, we those uh, red skin when they they catch a lot of sun. Yeah, they they don't. Some of them they don't wear uh, uh, enough uh, um, sunblock, uh, and uh, they get red very easily. So it's so it's also there are some characters. <laughs> now okay. they also like to drink beer and party, and <laughs> we are okay with that. No well, problem. let me ask you this because there's kind of a trope out there, right? There's kind of a uh, cliche I've picked up on, which is that the British love to travel, but that the rest of Europe, the rest of Europe doesn't. The stereotype is the rest of Europe doesn't necessarily love British tourists because they're known for like showing up and getting real drunk and throwing up in the streets and fighting and stuff. Is that is this the cliche over there on the uh, on the continent? Ooh, baby, here I go. That old easy thing. Let's make fun of British people for drinking too much. Is he going to go for it? I don't know. Who knows? We'll see when we get back. Everybody loves when you make fun of the English, right? Even the, uh, except may maybe the English. Even some of the English, like, I don't know. Anyway, we'll be right back. Thanks to all of our advertisers. Now let's get back to this phone call. Is this the cliche over there on the uh, on the continent? Uh, a few, yeah, a few cases, but it it, all, it always depends on on the location. For example, we have some cities, and also Spain has those places. They are, um, yeah, packed with bars open uh, all night, and these kind of places they attract like uh, yeah, single British people that come to party and meet other beautiful people and hook up and, and enjoy a good time. So yeah, sometimes there are some news about some yeah, some conflicts, people punching each other and, and so forth. But I, I don't think it happens too, too much. We also have some locations where the, the whole family comes uh, as a unit. So we have friendly, uh, family-friendly uh, cities and places, but there are some others that are more driven to attract these, those kind of tourists that, uh, yeah, they spend a lot of money in drinking beer and 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 so and enjoying their, themselves. Um, but yeah, in in uh, in general, we are a very um, yeah, calm country. Uh, we embrace all the differences of the cultures that want to live here. Um, and for example, for the gay community, uh, we we uh, we were one of the first European countries to legalize uh, gay marriage. Uh, so we don't, uh, yeah, we are a Catholic country. So in the back of the days, like uh, 40 years ago, 
it, it was a very closed country. We were in a di- dictature, so we were not a democracy. But since 74, we are a democracy. And since we joined the European Union, yeah, the, the, there was a big development economic-wise. And also in, in the, yeah, in the, in the mind, in our mind, we, we, um, we enjoy uh, uh, meeting other other cultural cultures and, and and so forth. We also have a big community from older colonies. I don't know if you are aware. So Portugal also back in the day, like the British and the Spanish, we have some countries in Africa that were um, colonized by the Portuguese kingdom, uh, like in the 15, 15th century and and 16th century. Mm-hmm. And so we have many people from those countries in Africa, they like Angola, Mozambique. Um, they 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 come here also. They come here to live and and work here. So they we welcome them. And of course, we have the largest community that is Brazil. In Brazil, it's it's, it's like forty times the size of Portugal and something like this. So they are also a big community that come here to work. Especially in those times when they have some economic struggles in those countries, they come to Portugal to make some yeah, good living, and then maybe a few years later they come back to their family. Others they 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 stay, of course. And for example, a few years ago, we had some Ukrainian people coming. Like ten years ago, there was a lot of immigrants from Ukraine. Then they came back to their country. And now with this war, war, they we are welcoming them. We we rent buses. Portuguese people they group together. We rent buses and we go to Poland, to the near the 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 the, 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 the frontier and and bring them back here to Portugal. So they will rejoin some acquaintances or some family they have still here in Portugal. So we are welcoming those Ukrainians that are uh, fleeing from the war. I have to tell you, kudos to you. I I'm sitting here trying to bait you into talking shit about the British. <laughs> I'm sitting here trying to get, get set you up for the easy laughs of like, oh yeah, the the English come over here, they get too drunk, and then and instead you give a beautiful answer about how Portugal is simultaneously family friendly. Uh, LGBTQ friendly and how it, while it has an imperialistic past that now in its present, it's using it to become a multicultural bastion that's accepting of people. And you managed to also not, you managed to dodge my attempt to shit on the British and say, uh, I won't talk bad about the British, but I will point out uh, our sympathy for the Ukrainian people and our efforts to take in refugees from there in a worldwide crisis. Kudos to you. No one's ever, no one's ever not taken the bait on an easy joke and spun it into more tender goodness than that. How much is the Portuguese tourism bureau paying you to make this call? No, no, nothing, nothing. I, I don't even work in none. None of my family that I can recall that no one works in the industry of tourism or hotels or something like this. So. Yeah, I'm just uh, yeah, stating, and and all the British that I, I met in the past. So currently, I have one contact, daily contact, uh, that is uh, living in England, and we have a very good relationship. 
Um, I am a customer. He is the, our supplier. So we have this kind of um, yeah um, uh, daily work together, uh, uh, and uh, it, I, I, I enjoy talking to him every day because this they they have this kind of British humor. <laughs> that is, it's so funny the way they do the the, the the British humor. It's so funny for me, at least. Um, and uh, and yeah, when when I have also a good experience when I married, um, uh, like twenty five years ago, um, uh, we went to uh, to to Spain. And in the hotel, we were just okay. We we don't feel like going to the beach. Let's stay here in the hotel and see what they have to offer, uh, entertainment-wise. And and there was these two older uh, British couples. They they we would talk with them every day. They were so funny. They were so so nice. So I only have good things to talk about them. Love it. Now, I do have to ask, I mean, we've brought up the British, you've mentioned uh, Brazilians, Ukrainians, you've mentioned people from formerly colonized African nations, and you've described Portugal as this beautiful melting pot. I, I do feel obligated to ask you, what's the popular view on Americans? That would be funny. If you've been like so kind and effusive in your praise to everyone, and then you're like, but Americans come over and they never pick up their garbage and they're loud and obnoxious and they can all stay in America. That would make me laugh so hard. <laughs> no, I I, I, I I, don't have so many. I think I don't have any acquaintances. Also, there is not a lot of uh, American tourism here, at least that I know. So you, you told your experience that you have many friends that came here. But uh, honestly, I don't have this. Our view of, of America, of the United States, that's okay. It's a friend. It, it's our allies. So we, we, we are, um, <clears throat> let's say, we are glad that we have this military alliance because we are just a small country that we need someone to be our friend, to protect us, um, even though there is no real uh, threat. But um, it's always nice to, to have this friendship with, with America. Um, and, um, and we also have a large community of Portuguese living, living in, the, in the New Jersey, New York, yeah, it, that's in um, the Ironbound. That's it, yeah. in the neighborhood that my grandparents used to live in. Famously, I'm I'm oh, shocked yeah. you know about that. Yeah, I know because, uh, for example, I was talking about the Azores Islands, so this archipelago in the middle of the Atlantic. Uh, it's like nine islands, and many of those uh, Azorean people uh, they are Portuguese, and they. The, they 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 immigrate to to the United States. So we know that, for example, when we have the 10th of June, it's a, a national holiday, and uh, it's a national holiday that we also remember those Portuguese that are living abroad. And every almost every year, there there is some um, uh, article in the press or some um, journalistic um, um, interview with. Uh, the people with these communities that live abroad. So we have a lot of in South Africa also. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, yeah, and Newark is one of the biggest also. 
I think they also celebrated the 10th of June. So they, they make some kind of some party there to celebrate the, the nationality day. Well, I tell you, so Newark, New Jersey is known as a very tough town. I grew up in the suburbs of Newark. My dad went to high school in Newark. Two of my grandparents grew up in Newark. One of them immigrated from Ireland to Newark. So I have these connections to Newark. And there's the neighborhood my grandparents are from is called Down Neck back in the day. And then they put trains around it. So it became ironbound because it was surrounded by train tracks as the border of the neighborhood. And that neighborhood has always been known as an incredibly strong Portuguese neighborhood. And um, it's kind of, you know, Nork, there's been a lot of tough times that have faced Nork. There were riots there in the 60s. And um, okay. in, the, in the 80s, there was a magazine that said it was the most dangerous city in America, I think was the phrase they used. So it had a lot of stigmatization. But in the face of all of that, it's always been known. But if you want to go into Nork, one thing you can do, you go into the Ironbound, you'll get the best Portuguese food you're going to find anywhere in America. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's always been kind of this like beacon within the middle of the city. And Nork is now kind of experiencing a bit of a comeback, it seems. It's starting to move. And I think a lot of it is because of the Ironbound leading the charge. So yeah, strong connection between my Jersey, Essex County roots and and the Portuguese. And I'm shocked. I've, I, never, I had no idea that uh, that you would actually know about that off the top of your head. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, and 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 I. What's your your feeling about the Portuguese? Mm. Well, usually they are known to be hard hardworking people. Well, I was gonna say, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you, is that you know, Americans, we all think we're the center of the world. We don't think about other people as much. Um, and I, th when I think of the Portuguese, I do think of Newark, New Jersey. I think of the Iron Bound. And that neighborhood too, it's also kind of a beautiful thing because I think now it's also becoming a Brazilian neighborhood too because of the shared language. I think a lot of Brazilian immigrants are heading to Newark as well. So I think of that. And then um, I know that there are a lot of like the shipping and sailors who come through Newark are Portuguese as well. So I do, I think of it, I have fondness for like a very working class proud neighborhood near me. And I know my buddy, Nick, I got this friend who we all call him Bonaduce. I went to high school with him and he works in construction. And he says he works with a ton of Portuguese guys from the Nork area. And he says, they're all like super badasses who just get a lot of stuff done. So just like you said, hardworking people, um, with hardworking people with mm -hmm. good, good food and a cool neighborhood in North. That's what I think of personally, but I, I, I can say that I haven't met too many Portuguese people in my travels. Okay. Yeah. So I think that we, in, in the United States, they are yeah, close together in some areas. And maybe also in California, there is a, a few of them. I think in, 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 in Hawaii, there, there is also, uh, some Portuguese community living there, and um, and yeah, so uh, yeah, there are a lot of Portuguese all around the world in Australia also. So yeah, there are yeah, because uh, before we joined the European Union, we were really a very poor country, so not financially strong. We lived under a, a dictatorship for forty something years. And um, while the other countries uh, um, advanced technology and their economy, 
um, we will stay behind. The only good thing is that we, we were not participating in World War II, so we were n neutral, we were not affected directly, but e economic-wise, it was uh, really struggling for the, uh, the 20th century. And only a, a few years ago, we started to develop uh, more and more. It's, uh, it's wild to hear you talk about it, you know, how much joining the European Union uh, affected Portugal. Because, you know, you've brought it up a few times now that, you know, yeah. before that it was a market, you know, that that is a marker of real change. Yeah, because... Because all of us, I think all over the world, people have seen Brexit and they see England leaving the European Union. And now that story extends with everything happening in the Ukraine and how Ukraine is... Um, you know, it shines a real spotlight on their efforts to get into the European Union. So that all feels very real right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are lots of people, uh, countries they want to, to come in. For example, t Turkey, they are, they are trying so hard to get to, to, to enter European Union. But yeah, there are some political issues that um, it, it makes hard for them to, to, to come. And uh, because when you are part of the European Union, you, leave, you, you lose a little bit of your sovereignty, of your, you need to follow some rules in that the other countries dictate. And this is why the UK wanted to step out because mm -hmm, they, mm -hmm. they wanted to leave their own rules, but now they are so angry. The people, the, I think, the population is so angry because they are suffering some economical downturn because of this decision. And uh, but yeah, so but in generally, it's um, it's it's a very confusion union because we have different languages between different uh, ways of living between the north and the south. Sometimes there are some misconceptions or um, of the northern people saying that northern are lazy, which which is not true. It's, it's really it's really not true. But they have this misconception that the the people from the north they they work harder. They have one one big advantage because they are to get um, in. In distance, they are very close. So the Netherlands, Germany, they are in France. They are they are close together, and Portugal, Spain, and Italy. So if I want to go to Germany, I have to to cross three or four countries to get there. So it's not easy. The communication and the the the, the transport of goods between the, the, the two countries. So we are suffering. To be in the outer limits of the European Union, but um, we will get there. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. but but it, it, it was always a, a positive, and we were so sad that the UK of because of the Brexit, we were so sad. They they did the wrong wrong decision. They they have this madman running their country. <laughs> that um, yeah, it's really I we 
So you, you want me to talk about nasty things about someone because I, I only say good things? <laughs> we found I don't we like Boris Johnson. We finally found the one person that even you will talk shit about. We find the nicest person I've ever met. Yeah. The nicest person I've ever talked to on the phone. It, Boris Johnson. That's the guy. That's the guy. There's indeed. the guy that you'll uh Yeah. Yeah, it was hard to I mean and the, the whole world went crazy for a minute. So yeah, what what what, what the Americans think about the Brexit, about Boris Johnson? It's really, I think, from our view, so much of it ties into politics over here in the sense of, you know, every European nation has every European Union nation, and probably every European nation has to think about the economic impact of 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 Britain leaving. And then everyone keeps it keeps an eye on. Well, now is Scotland going to break off and rejoin the EU? Is it going to start to break up the United Kingdom? And you start, to, you know, you see. I can see it even just from reading what I read. You start to see countries going. Well, how punitive should we be? How much should Britain have its feet held to the fire? Is that will that make sure no one else leaves? Um, versus is that going to make it worse economically for all of us? All of those things seem to be swirling around over there in a way, in a way that I'm sure is like very much front and center for people all over the European Union. I think in America we can read up on it, but a lot of it seems to come down to it becomes a companion issue to the extremes of American politics where I think it's fair to say that a lot of people who are pro Trump are also pro Brexit just because those things have gone hand in hand. And I think a lot of the people who would swing more towards progressive uh, democratic politics are anti Brexit, but I don't know in a, in a way that I think is sadly probably very American. I don't know that too many people living on either of those extremes are necessarily trying to understand the nuances of, of, Brexit and the European Union and how much of it is, you know, this very layered and complex thing, so much as it just kind of becomes a, a box that you check as far as how it corresponds with our politics here, even though we might not know all the details about it. So I think that it ties into a little bit of how Americans will maybe tunnel vision on their own politics the past 10 years and just go, no, Boris Johnson was Trump's friend, you know, or... No, it was ignorant right-wing fascism that led the charge on them leaving. Um, so I think we boil it down to an attachment to our own politics, but I don't know that we dig too deep into the nuance here on a on like a daily basis beyond that would be my guess. Yeah. It's basically, I think we're a little ignorant to it, except if you are, if you are in the Trump world, you probably... Go like no, yeah, Brexit was good because that's where that landed, and and then the opposite extreme will say the opposite thing, and it's part of that echo chamber and and what's so frustrating in life lately, if I'm being honest. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Now, you work. Uh, you said you work with people outside of Portugal. You said you're raising a family. Um, you've been married many years. Where, where else would you like this conversation to go? Because I don't want to just make you like, like I said, I don't want you to just be a human brochure for the country of Portugal. 
Yeah, so uh, w- one of the reasons that uh, I also want to talk with you is just yeah, to share some 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 information about myself. So, yeah, uh, a few years ago, um, I, when my son was younger, I started to no- notice some details about the way he behaved, the way he socialized with other people, and uh, some struggles, some anxiety. And I, and when he was little, I, I didn't think much about it. But then some me a video about autism and Asperger's, and I started to watch the, that video, and I say, oh, check, 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 check. So all the symptoms that it was explained in the video, I started to see my son in those um, traits, in those symptoms. Let's pause right there. This is really taking a turn. I wasn't lying up top in the intro, right? Second half of the call, we're going to dive deep into this and a lot more. We'll be right back. Thanks again to all the advertisers who help us bring this show to the world. Now, let's finish off the phone call. I started to see my son in those um, traits, in those symptoms. And then, okay, for me, it was it was surprising because I, I never thought about it. But then, instead of getting sad, I was happy because I say, oh, Oh, that's why he has those strange behaviors. Now I can understand him better. Because before that, he say, I was thinking for myself, I'm doing, am I doing something wrong? Are we as a family not working uh, as we should on developing social skills and so forth? And, um, and then, okay, so my first inspe- impact was, okay, now I understand. I'm glad that, that that I know this. And then when I start to read more and more about the issue, I saw, wait a minute. It says here that this is highly genetic uh, uh, connect, connection uh, between parents and sons. And, I, and then I thought to myself, am I also like Asperger's? And I think of all my childhood how I like to be alone <laughs> instead of going to big events. I, 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 I like to be more alone. Of course, I love French friends and I have friends, but if, um, if I want some downtime to, to recharge some alone time. Um, and also I start to think about all the struggles that I had in school. Um, um, making friends and some tantrums that I had in the past where some little things that doesn't have so much value, I value them too much and get, and get frustrated and nervous and emotional when after one week or so I look back and I say, oh, that wasn't so bad. Why did I react that way? So... Definitely, I'm also Asperger's, and uh, even though I don't have um, um, medical or psych- psychological um, um, uh, um, 
uh, treatment or 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 uh, I never I never talk with this with my family. No one knows about this. And then I I start to look back and I think, oh yeah, my father. I get I get I got this from my father because he was also like this when I when I remember how he also behaved socially and um, and all the emotional struggles he had in the past. I also saw this. I, I, I started to build, a, uh, to to draw a line between my son, myself, my father. And, um, and yes, yeah, so this was a big um, eye-opening moment for me when I, when I saw this. And then, and now I, 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 I handle it a little bit better because now I understand when I get frustrated and I say, okay, this is Asperger's. I need to calm down because this is not so big issue. Uh, maybe uh, I need to be more calm. Of course, this doesn't work all the time. I still get my, my uh, low and deep, uh, emotional state um but um yeah so this this is why i also i i like to be more alone going to work <laughs> one of good thing for us it, the pandemic was this isolation <laughs> no social gathering no big parties so my son was very happy so he was no they, there is no birthday parties. He he didn't like to go to big uh, events to where there are more like ten or twenty people in the same room. So he didn't like that. So this social distance distancing was good for us. <laughs> the Asperger's. This was a very good time for us to have this uh, more solitary um, moments. Of course, this is not positive. We need to meet people. We learn from them. We need to meet our our family to to strengthen those bonds with uh, with my sister and brother and, and and also the my nephews and nieces. So yeah, this was something that I wanted to to talk with you because yeah, it's something that is not in my control. So if this is genetic. This is this is what it is. So we need to accept it. Now, just so I'm clear, and I've got the details sorted out. You mentioned that you see it in your son, you see it in yourself, um, and that you see it in your dad. And I want to talk a lot about that. But has just so I'm clear, it sounds like you haven't been officially diagnosed. Has your son, like, are there doctors saying, yeah, that this is what's going on. This is some form of autism here, um, or is it just? based on what you've read and seen, you're going, this checks every box, so I know we're dealing with this. I wasn't sure how much actual doctors or professionals were involved at any level. Yeah, yeah, not not yet. So this is still still only through my um, observations that I came to this uh, conclusion. I, I haven't get him to... To, to the doctor, to psychologist, to to have this checked, because yeah, I am afraid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's stupid, stupid that I know that, but I am afraid of 
his reaction, my wife's reaction, the family reaction, that say, oh, he is autistic. Oh, oh, this is bad. Oh, this is not, this is not good. So I'm, so this is wrong. This is wrong thinking from my side. I'm, I know that I'm, I'm keeping this like, like a secret. I know this secret that I don't share with anyone. It's not good. And you haven't even sat down with your wife and said, hey, I think this is going on yet. No. Wow. And how old is your son? And I mean, let's say that he's a teenager. Oh, he's a teenager. I will not wow. disclose, yeah. I will of not course. disclose completely the, 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 the age, but the, uh, he's, he's a teenager. So, of course, the, the teenage years are... Uh, we all struggle during that period of time. So I'm keeping an eye, very close, an eye on him to check if he's, how he's dealing with school, how he's dealing with the, the, the stress for the exams, for the tests. So I'm very keeping, now that I know this secret, let's say, I am really watching him to see if if he if I if I notice that something will come out of the rails, I will I will take yeah I will, I will take him yeah to get support. I will I will get him any anyway. I, I, I will I will do this. But uh, yeah, this indecision from my side is also killing me. When I look back, sometimes I think, I wish I knew this when I was younger. I wish that someone, if someone knew, I wish they had told me, not finding myself in my 40s, that I have this condition. I wish that someone would, would, would tell me when I was a teenager or on early 20s, because I struggled so much when I started to work. The, Dealing with other people, um, different um, types of personality um, was very um, difficult for me to handle those. Um, I think that if if I knew then, I would have a different reaction. Mm, sometimes I cannot handle it, and and. I have some um, um, responses that are ne negative, that, that I don't control yet, but at least I am aware of them, and I apologize because I know what was the root cause, what was behind my my reaction, negative reaction, and yeah, so I think that, and I and I say to myself, yeah, you need to to have this conversation with him, with my wife, but, um, it, but I am afraid of their reaction. If it is going to be negative, if it is going to be denial, if it's going to be that I am crazy, that I am inventing things in my head, this will not go well. Mm -hmm. And this is what uh, my, my struggle is. Um, but, um, yeah, I think um, I think this year will be the the year. So I don't know. I don't have this information 
uh, or at least this feeling from myself since a long time, like uh, I have two or three years ago, I had this real realization that uh, this could be the the situation with him. But during these three years, I'm keeping this information only to myself, and I need to to step ahead and and do something about it. What do you think? Well, it's. I mean, I have so many thoughts. the fir- The first is this is a very complicated thing to deal with and understand and you're taking your time and I'm sure you have your reasons. And it sounds like you feel stressed out by the fact that you've been sitting on this suspicion for so long. And I get that, but I also sit here, I go, it's a difficult conversation to have, like you said, and, but I am struck by the fact that you, you know, in the course of what you just said, you even mentioned all these things that I'm learning about that I saw in my son and that I now see in myself, you, you, you say, you know, oh, if, if I had known this when I was younger, I could see how it would help me. And as hard as it's going to be, if this is in fact what's going on and your son does get a diagnosis, that will in effect be a gift that you're giving him, right? The same way that you're saying, oh, if I was younger and I knew about this, I can I can look at points in my life where I would have known how to navigate things easier. I would have known why I wasn't locking into stuff or connecting to stuff in a way that it seems like maybe I should have been. So I will just say the awkwardness of the conversation, the potential tension, the potential stress, I get all that. But if if you really do feel like this is what's going on with your son, you can give him that gift that you just expressed you wish you had of, you know, finding out before you were in your forties, um, because it certainly sounds to me, and I am no expert on any of this. And it's, it's one of the more fascinating things. And, you know, I've talked about it with people on the show before. There's such a wide range of things that fall under this umbrella. And it seems like between you and your son, and you even mentioned your dad, that there's a lot of stuff that makes sense, but it, it doesn't sound like it's necessarily something that people would be noticing or calling out day to day. So um, while it may seem unbelievable for people internally, if this is something that is affecting your son to have that knowledge, I know there's all sorts of medical professionals out there that can be focusing on how to process information and different techniques on connecting with people and, um, sometimes just having that knowledge can circumvent a lot of the roadblocks that things like this present. Now, again, I'm no expert, but I am struck by that. You know, your nervousness about having the conversation versus you saying, oh, if I had found out when I was younger, it would have really helped me. Yeah, but yeah, now now looking back, I wish I did, but <laughs> I don't know exactly what, what also would be my reaction uh, if- when I, when I was in my teens, someone uh, revealed that to me because I, I had one um, event that at that time, uh, one situation where, where at that time I didn't give to but my first reaction was not very good because I have in when he was in kindergarten, um, and before um, going to the first grade, he, um, the, the teacher 
um, told me something in the in the, in the likes of, yeah, he doesn't know how to handle his, his emotion. Uh, we we even uh, uh, yeah, based on on this, um, she, she didn't say black and black and white that that that, that he, he was autistic, but she said in a way that my reaction was not very good, even though it, it, after that we, we 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 took him to a psychologist that is. Uh, um, that works with uh, children and, and teenagers, and she made the diagnosis um, that um, he was okay, that he was a bright, a bright kid, so he's very intelligent. He, he, he is good in school. So even before going to first class, she put gave him some exercises that in, involve some math. Uh, thinking, mathematical thinking, and uh, and say, oh, he's okay. There's nothing wrong with him. And we say, okay, we are glad with this diagnosis. So let's move on. But then, when the years were the years were passing, and uh, I continued to see these struggles. With, for example, when there was some party in the school when they need to go to the stage and perform some song or some, any dance or something like this, he, he wouldn't. He, he went so nervous. He was the only kid that could not perform anything because of his nervous, nervousness, his awkwardness in front of the crowd. Um, and yeah, now I'm looking back to that. Yeah, this is so. It was so clear. It was real in front of my eyes, and I and I couldn't see. But um, yeah, now now that in a few years he's going to go to university if he wants to, or if he wants to go straight to yeah to start to work, he he needs he will need some tools, some guidance. From professionals, uh, he needs to be taught some social skills. We are always pushing him to go to parties and to meet friends and go to lunch with them. Or, but now during these two years of COVID, uh, this everything stopped. These um, parties, birthday parties, and so on. So it, it was not good these two years for um, to help him integrate in society and with friends it was really bad time uh, for all but especially for him it was really bad time this situation but now that we are slowly coming out of the covid restrictions um it's time to to move ahead to to do something to yeah, to put the cards on the table, as, as you say in English, to put the cards on the table and nailed it, and um, yeah, deal with it. Yeah, I uh, I tell you, I hope I hope that happens, if only because it will help. You know, it will help sort out things 
for your son and your son's at an age where social stuff is so difficult already. And if there are techniques that a professional can lock in and say, you know, oh, when we're working with people who have autism at your level, this can often help and this can often help. And it could be such a breath of fresh air. But you know what else I'm struck by on a, a broader level? Because I see it all, and my son's only three, but you're talking about him being in your teens. And I go, wow, that that just never stops happening. You kind of grow up and you only think about time moving in one direction. And then you have a child. And I've been really in awe at how, you know, you kind of assume, okay, I'm going to be a parent. It's my job to teach him. But the kids never stop teaching you, huh? Like it moves backwards. You learn about yourself things you never understood. You learn about your father things you never understood. That's a really, that's an aspect of of parenting they don't tell you about. And it's really profound. Like your son, I'm sure you see his behavior and you're going, in an effort to understand and help you, oh, there's all these things about me that make sense. I'm, I'm looking at my dad in a different light. That's a really profound thing. That keeps happening, huh? Yeah. That's not just because my guy's tiny. That just keeps happening. Yeah, my father uh, um, passed away uh, a few years ago. And this re- realization that I had about my son was after his passing. So, and, and then I... I so I didn't have the greatest relationship with him. It was also not bad relationship with him. But if I knew, if I knew this before his passing, it would give me so much information that I could use it to understand him better than I did. Because I, I blamed him about some things. Only in my head, I never told him, but in my head, I had a, a view of him, and after I got this realization, I saw my son struggle with emotions and so forth, and also me. Then I looked to my father in a very different way. And it was really, it was really a shame that I didn't get this information or this this understanding before his passing because. I would have a relationship with him. I would be more understanding person. Um, really ashamed that I, yeah. Um, it's not a good feeling to have these thoughts. Now I cannot do anything. I only can, what I can do is, yeah, to, to reach to my family and um, be as great as a family member as I can be, even though I still have this, yeah, this tendency to be alone, to not visit him so as often as I should, to not call them as often as I should, and um, and uh, yeah, I still I'm, I'm still processing this in, in, in my head and I, I know that I, I need to make some some, some changes in, in my life and be more understanding of other people's struggles because now I, I know that I have my own 
So I need, I, and I and I started to do the, that. So I, before I was more just judgmental about other people's uh, behaviors or life choices, and now I I am more understandable of how they behave and what their decisions, life decisions are. I shouldn't be so yeah, judging what they they do and about what they think about it. it. It was a good thing that I now that I have this information in my head, but unfortunately it came too late. Um, yeah, to heal my relationship with my father. It's really profound. Yeah, it's really profound. Yeah. I feel like it's, and again, it's, it's, it's a medical thing and it's a thing that involves your child. So the last thing I'd ever do is presume to be like, well, you got to do this or that. But I go, it is, it is another, another, another reason I can see in the column of good reasons to go, well, if you think there's a diagnosis to be had for your son, it's another one to get there. Cause you sit there and you go, any any child, it's like impossible for the kid to totally understand their parent. There's a whole past that happened before they were around. There's all these choices that you have to make that you don't have time to slow down and explain. And there's things that happen because they have to happen. And any kid is going to sit there and 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 have those things that they need to unwrap. And again, it seems like you're saying this is information that if you had it, it would have helped you understand your dad and it's a real regret that that only happened after he passed. And I go, well, again, the sooner you can start having these conversations about your potential diagnosis, your son's potential diagnosis, the sooner you and he can have those conversations and maybe it doesn't need to wait so long from his end rolling towards you, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And another thing that I, I realized uh, um, a few weeks ago, because when we talk about um, suicidal thoughts, I noticed some trend, some commonality between some cases that uh, I, I heard on your podcast and on some articles, some other podcasts that people struggle when they are around the age of 18, 19, especially males especially men uh, around that age, suicidal thought, and that creeps me out. Yeah. I'm really, I'm really afraid. Uh, I'm always checking with him if he, if he's okay, if is anything stressing you out in school or with friends, is something that is, um, causing you to be sad because when I found this this age of 19, 18, 20, uh, that there are many uh, suicidal thoughts, especially in men. Oh, wow. That gave me, I, I was so afraid to, to, to know this information. And now I'm really, really, really afraid of... Um, if anything could escalate in his anxiety, that uh, this thought, this kind of thoughts, they never, I, I was never 
this, this never happened to me. Um, honestly, I never had this thought, but I am uh, always looking at, at him and checking him out if he if he is um, yeah happy with life. And uh, he, he is uh, so we have a yeah we are like let's say middle class. We are not rich and we are not poor, but we have what we need financially and uh, and yeah he has all the gadgets that teenagers normally have so there is nothing material uh, missing also at school is a good kid one of the best in the in the in his class so from that point of view there is also no struggles but we never know what it's inside the heads of the other people yeah and uh, it, it was really frightening to me to to get this information and now i'm always watching out yeah and and uh, and also the the, the best thing about uh, autism or asperger's in particular is that there is no cure so this is one of the things that we read in the article there is no cure the only way, the only thing we can do is to understand and try to mitigate the consequences, uh, the downside, um, and yeah, with some help from from the doctors, to define some st- strategies, some guidance, how to yeah, ed- ed- educate them, and. Uh, and yeah, so these are the kinds of thoughts that are uh, that I'm thinking about daily. Well, I tell you what, our time is up, but that is a an incredible note to end on. And I just want to note there, we didn't even get to, you know, you indicated some stuff about your dad and who he was in your relationship. We didn't even have time to get into it, but I will say, just the level of thoughtfulness you displayed right there is such an asset for your son and such a safety net for your son, and such a source of strength for your son. And uh, I, I heard what you just said makes me feel like your son is in such safe hands. Thank you. And I know there's so much to sort out and it's such an uphill climb and such a daunting conversation to have with, with, with him and your wife and family and doctors. But when you have it, I, I feel like, wow, I feel very, very inspired, one father to another, say, wow, that's that's you stepping up. That's you looking out. That's you keeping an eye on things in a way that I don't know, I don't know everybody does, and I don't know that previous generations did. So I wish we had even more time to talk, but a daunting challenge, but it sounds like you are so on top of it. And I am I as a I feel like one of the highest compliments I can give is to say, as someone who's learning how to be a father, I'm I'm very very impressed by what you just expressed as a father. Thank you. So Thank kudos you, to you, and I hope it all works out. I hope it all works out. Yeah, it will. It will. Usually, I'm pessimist uh, uh, about everything, but uh, um, I have a good feeling that uh, he is going to be. Uh, a very a very good human um and uh and we will have a very happy relationship in the future yeah thank you for your kind words 
Of course. Good luck with and, everything. Uh, yeah. And I wish you all the best. Same to you. Same Impossible, to you. Yeah. Well, I was going to say the next time I'm in Newark, I'm going to go to the Ironbound. I'm going to go to the... the Everybody, it's the pa it's the pastries. Everybody always talks about the Portuguese rolls and the bakeries and the the pastela. Yeah. Is it pastelas? Yeah, pastéis. The some of those. I gotta go get some of those. Yeah, like a pastel, yeah. yeah, they are very famous. They're very good. Yeah, and the, and the I hope you yeah, if you come to Portugal, enjoy. And if you come to the north of Portugal, yeah, give me a call and we will we can meet. <laughs> Sounds good. I'll be in touch. Caller, thank you so much. If I'm in the north of Portugal, maybe I'll be able to shake your hand someday. Who knows? Who knows how it'll go? What I do know is that you're a good dad and your son is in safe hands. And I hope you keep looking out for him and yourself and that everybody winds up with all the tools they need in life to succeed at their utmost capabilities. Thank you for calling. Thank you to Anita Flores for producing the show. Thank you to Marcus Hom for engineering the show. Thank you to Shell Shag for contributing our theme song. If you want to know more about me, including the dates and locations of beautiful anonymous live tapings, go to chrisgeth.com. That's chrisgeth.com. And hey, wherever you're listening, there's a button that says subscribe, favorite, follow, some version of that. It helps us so much when you hit that button so please think about doing so if you like the show it's one of the simple things you can do that just really really helps if you want to find our latest merch go to podswag.com there's mugs shirts posters and a whole lot more and if you want your episodes ad free and you want tons of other shows with episodes ad free you're going to want to sign up at Stitcher Premium and get a one month free trial if you use the promo code stories at stitcher.com slash premium <laughs>